You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome back. Welcome to a fresh week. I'm so glad that you're here and that you are tuning in as you're on your commute or walking your dog or whatever you may be doing when you listen to this show. Um, And I'm particularly impressed that you're tuning into this episode because it is a topic that is pretty heavy and dark. Uh, We are talking about child sex trafficking and an amazing organization, Operation Underground Railroad, uh, who is doing amazing work in the world um, internationally and here at home. Um, And it was started by a man named Tim Ballard, and he worked for the government essentially doing the same thing, seeking out traffickers and eradicating them where he found them. Um, And he decided that he needed to take it up a level and start a nonprofit to support these law enforcement agencies all over the world. And so that's what he's been doing. And um, they've had over 3,000 rescues, and they've put nearly uh, 1,600 perpetrators in prison for crimes against children. And I wanted to do a show like this because when I uh, came across the work, uh, I just realized how how ubiquitous it was, um, and I wanted to be a light bearer and to, to spread light to spread awareness and to empower you, the listener, to know what to look for in your own communities because it is happening in every single community in the world. Um, And so I think by sharing the knowledge here, I'm speaking with Johnny Dix. She's the director of outreach. She gives incredible tools on things to look for in your own community, uh, tools to educate yourself. They have a free training on their website so you can go and take that training so that you know what to look for and that you can protect your own children from trafficking because a lot of times in the U.S., It's not like people are being kidnapped. They're actually being trafficked, and then they go home at night. Um, And so to understand what's really going on, to understand the dynamics, you not only protect children that you don't know, you can be in a position to protect your own children. And so this episode really fired me up. I want it to fire you up as well. If it does, please share it with at least one friend. Get the word out. Get the message out. Don't be afraid to talk about ugly stuff because when you talk about it and you know about it, you can actually fight it and stop it. And so that's my mission here today. And I hope that it becomes yours as well. Uh, Enjoy the episode. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. You can pick up your organic third-party tested CBD in stores around the country or at motherhoodunstressed.com. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. So excited to talk about this incredible organization, what you're doing in the world. Um, So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So jumping right in, talk to us about the genesis of Operation Underground Railroad. When did it start? How did it start? Give us the origin story. Yeah. So um, our founder, um, Timothy Ballard, used to work for um, Homeland Security and the Sex Crime Task Force. And basically doing kind of similar to what we do as a nonprofit. And that was in December of 2013. And um, through his work, he realized um, that there was more that could be done to support what's already being done um, through law enforcement and government agencies by leaving and starting a nonprofit that heavily supports them um, in rescuing children that are being trafficked. So he had the courage right before his um, um, pension was about to, you know, he was about to receive a pension and there were so many risks that he'd take, but he just knew it was so important. And he gathered some of his closest friends at the time and said, we need to do this. And I like crazily and it surprisingly um, started what is now known as Operation Underground Railroad. Um, 
And the what we do is we heavily support law enforcement and government agencies and uh, finding children that are being trafficked and then putting up them on a path to recovery through aftercare, through well-vetted aftercare facilities that our aftercare directors uh, goes in and vets and supports. Well, I would imagine too, it's kind of a, a tricky relationship to build, you know, with law enforcement, with government agencies. How does a nonprofit massage those relationships so that you truly are working together and no one's stepping on anyone else's toes or interfering with their investigation? How does that even work? Right. I think a lot of it comes through trust um, and and um, and building relationships, um, letting them know that we're truly here, not to take over what they're already doing. We already understand the limitations that are placed on them as an agency, um, whether that's funding or resources or whatever. We understand, especially um, those that work in operations, understand those limitations. And we're here to just not just, but to support them in what they're already doing. We're not here to take over. We understand our role. We understand our purpose. And we want to make sure that we allow them to continue doing what they do so well. And we do that, you know, through support. Um, I think that's the best way um, where we're not stepping on toes is everybody understands our roles. And through relationships, we create that collaboration. So what would be an example of the support that your organization gives? What do you do like specifically? Specifically, yeah. So um, we don't go into detail on it specifically what we do just because of the high sensitivity of how we support, but I can tell you general in general terms. Um, so how we would, um, what it might look like is we would go, we are invited in. We never want to impose. We never want to throw our agenda on anybody. We don't have an agenda we want to be invited in. So if a local law enforcement um, who who is dedicated to fighting human trafficking but has a bandwidth issue or maybe a resource issue or a funding issue, um, our director of operations sits down with them and says, what are your holes? What can we do to support? So for some, it literally may be, we just don't have the funding to fight this. And maybe they need um, more manpower. And so maybe we help them provide manpower or, um, or funding for something specific. Another is through, um, training. Maybe they're saying, we know this is a problem in our area, but we don't know enough about it. Um, human trafficking is something that's been talked about, but not really. It's something that is finally a light is being shed on it. And so a lot of agencies are like, we know it's here, but we don't know what to look Mm -hmm. for or what to do. And so we come in and we'll provide training for them specifically for their area um, that will help them uh, feel empowered to combat this in their own, you know, their own area. Um, It could look like um, specific equipment. Maybe they have the resources as far as manpower, but they don't have the equipment to tackle this in the best way possible. So we could do that through um, a great example is we have um, uh, labs, mobile forensic labs that oh, wow. um, that through awesome donors were able to provide for a law enforcement agency. Another is we've done um, canine dogs that go in and sniff microchips or things where maybe child pornography is placed on them um, and providing those um, 
resource dogs for them. So there's a variety of ways, and those are very general terms, mm-hmm. but um, a variety of ways that we can support law enforcement and government agencies to fight this. That's amazing. And I, I take from just doing the, the research I did for this um, episode is you guys are all over the world. I mean, you're tackling right. this on every continent, it seems like. Is there one area of the world that you're spending more time in? Is there one area of the world that needs help the most or is it just everywhere? You know, human trafficking literally is everywhere. Um, in every neighborhood and every city, um, Obviously, we want to be as many places as we can be. We're in 24 countries and I believe 24 uh, domestic states right now um, and want to continue to expand. Um, It's everywhere. It really is everywhere. There are areas that may be more highly concentrated. Um, Southeast Asia is a really good example, and we spend a lot of time there. But it honestly is a global epidemic or a pandemic. It would be considered it's everywhere and we want to be everywhere obviously there's bandwidth for us as well but that's our goal is to be wherever we're needed to be um, in order to fight it yeah and and I like I mean I'm broadcasting from Atlanta obviously Atlanta is a hotbed of trafficking and and slavery a lot of people come through the Atlanta airport and then are you know put other into other states um for the listener, is there something that we can look for just in our own communities that would give us a tip off that something's not right? This could be an issue because from what it sounds like, it's everywhere and, and people are just going about their daily business with no clue that this is even happening. So what can someone look for? Yeah, you know, I remember when I was first introduced to human trafficking, I had been working at a rape crisis and domestic violence shelter and someone introduced it to me and I didn't know what it was. And I feel really bad now because I realized some of those people that we had worked with were being trafficked and I just didn't even know what that wow. term meant. And um, so one of the best things that anybody can do is to take just a very basic human trafficking training. Um, you know, uh, it's to identify, it's to look and to identify that it is happening everywhere and that traffickers target vulnerable populations. So thinking about what that looks like. One of the best advices that I was given when I first started to come to understand human trafficking was to trust your gut. If you see a situation where you are looking at a relationship maybe between someone of superiority and maybe a teen that just kind of fills off, trust your gut, report it. Um, there's numerous things. And, and the hard thing about human trafficking, which is your question was, how do we, what's something that could tip us off is it may look, um, it may look like, you know, an abusive situation or another type of, um, situation. And so you really have to pull as much information as you can together to determine what you're watching and what you're seeing. Domestic, um, minor sex trafficking, I would say is probably the most common type of trafficking that we have here in America. So understanding what that looks like, that's kids being groomed um, by somebody, a trafficker or a pimp that um, their, their interest is to course or or force or fraud them into performing commercial sex acts. Um, That is the most common type of trafficking that we see in America. And how does that look? It literally could look like a teenager sitting at a park who's lonely and whose Mm. family is going through a situation that's hard and she feels lonely and someone comes up to her and becomes and and starts to really understand her and groom her and 
and wants to be her friend and wants to get to know her and and he's going to make her feel like a million dollars and he's going to provide her with things and he's going to be her um you know prince and you know or or make her feel whole or complete again and she finally feels that she's wanted and loved and and that hole is being filled and then all of a sudden he says but you're gonna have to do this for me um and and then she's caught in this situation of slavery really Mm -hmm. um and so looking teaching our youth and looking looking um for vulnerable youth that may be prey to a trafficker they know what they're doing they understand um I would say that's the most common type that happens here it's not the kidnapping, uh, though mm. that 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 does happen. It's um it's not the most common type. The most common type is a boyfriend, a boyfriend figure, or a um, superior figure taking control and advantage of uh, a vulnerable uh, individual, whether that's a youth or an adult. Right. And so I, I like that you mentioned it was usually vulnerable populations. That could okay. mean, you know, Im- immigrants. Is that what you're saying? Or just it re- poverty? So it could literally mean, it could mean immigrants. It could mean those in poverty or uneducated. It could mean um, those that are lonely, like teens that, like I said, people that are, are lonely and looking for something. It could mean um, the LGBTQ community. It could mean... Um, those that are at risk of um, so many variety of things. So think about, I think the most, um, at least in my personal experience, I think the most common type is somebody that is missing something, which isn't Mm -hmm. that kind of a scary phrase because we're all missing something and somebody else comes in and tries to fill it. And through, you know, grooming techniques, then um, gets to the point where they're, they're in control of that person. Um, really it can happen to any age, ethnic background, socioeconomic status. Um, but it's a broken family is a, Mm -hmm. is an individual that is needing somebody. Right. And so that would put somebody in a, uh, in a vulnerable state. Um, and that's why I think human trafficking can be frightening because I think we're all broken in some way. And unless we're show, unless we're teaching and educating people, especially our youth and our kids, Mm -hmm. Um, what to look for they may not even understand that they're being trapped in this it could be a a friend at school that is involved in trafficking and pulls them in so yeah and I would think too with technology and social media it's a lot easier for things like this to happen even if you know someone is not in a room with someone else they could be using images from a younger person do you does your organization consider that type of thing trafficking as well absolutely yeah Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that Yeah, so I think um, one of the best things we can do today um, is helping our everyone understand internet safety. Um, There are so many situations, you'll hear it on the news all the time, where um, someone meets someone online and then they go find them and then all of a sudden they go missing, right? Um, The thing that's so interesting is that when you initially go missing, they don't necessarily identify you as a human trafficking victim, but they identify you as a missing person. But studies show that especially like a runaway youth within 48 hours, they're approached by a trafficker. Like these people know what they're looking for. They understand. I mean, you, you've seen the, the huge crisis of, um, you know, exploitation, child exploitation online, where 
somebody threatens them, if you don't do this for me, provide a picture for me, then X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And then we have that whole situation Mm -hmm. um, where kids are being exploited that way. And so those are all things that traffickers and groomers understand that lead to something bigger, that lead to this horrific modern day slavery, right? Where they, these, these people don't feel like they're in control of their lives and they're being threatened, um, for the purposes of whatever the trafficker wants them for. So internet safety is crucial, like social media, parents understanding the dangers of it and um, understanding the risk there. You know, I think one of our articles on our blog, um, Tim, Tim Ballard basically says, you hand your child a smartphone, you're handing them a perpetrator. Mm. And unless you're teaching them how to use the tool responsibly. And if they're not mature or ready enough to use the tool responsibly, they really shouldn't have it. It's like, I think he said, it's like sending them out to a street of brothels mm-hmm. and, and saying, you know, good luck. And if we haven't empowered our, you know, empower, and even everybody, I mean, if we're not empowered, we could be caught in a trap that could be very dangerous for us. Right. And that's why like having this show was so important to me to educate the listener, which, you know, for the most part are women and mothers who, you know, want to do the best for their children, but they might not even have the awareness or the wherewithal to say, to say like, oh, I didn't even know that this was a possibility. You know, I need to be more on the ball and this is actually happening in my town most likely. So that's, yeah. I'm, I'm just so glad that you're here to talk about that, but talk about some of the success stories of yeah. Operation Underground Railroad. I don't want this to be all doom and gloom. I just want to, you know, educate yeah. and empower the listener, but also, you know, let's inspire a little bit too. What, what, what's some of the good stuff you guys have accomplished? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and, and, and it is so true that trafficking is so dark and it is such a dark place to sit in. But the best way we can expel that darkness is by spreading light, right? Mm-hmm. Like as soon as light comes into a room, darkness is asked to vanish, like it's told to vanish. And so um, with OUR, that is our whole purpose is to shine that light on global, epi- you know, the global epidemic of of human trafficking. And and through the years of being in at an organization, we've just recently had our 3000th rescue, um, we're up to 3,097 rescues. Now that number is just a number, but when you think of that as a child, as a person, that is a huge number that has allowed a child, their freedom and their safety and their security back. Um, so that is something that can be celebrated and imagine it's just not that one person that you're rescuing. Imagine rescuing one child, the effect that has on generations to come and also their family or people that know them as well. So um, that's something huge to be celebrated. And that comes from shining the light. That comes from everybody that's taking a a stand against trafficking. That as an organization, it, it came from all of our supporters and donors and people that are talking and educating themselves about it. Um, the other thing is, I think we just, we've had about 1600 um, perpetrators behind uh, arrests that have happened behind bars. Now, and the number of victims for one perpetrator, I can't remember the exact number, but it's astronomical. Yeah. I Those that they, that they hurt and harm. So getting one person behind bars isn't just one arrest. That's mm-hmm. 100 to 200 children that are going to be saved from exploitation. And so that's another thing to be celebrated is that these 
these people that are harming children and um, harming our youth and, and even adults are being put away so they can't do that anymore. And that again comes from those collaborations with law enforcement and government agencies because we can't do that. We can't, we don't have the mm -hmm. jurisdiction to do that, but we have the support to do that. And that's another thing to be celebrated. And um, again, when you just think of that, that uh, the child is an individual, um, I think that's our biggest thing we can celebrate is their, the gift of freedom. I can't think of anything greater. Yeah. And I think it's crucial too, that you do that um, out process processing as well with vetted organizations who are helping them transition back and heal and process what they've been through. Cause I, I mean, you talk about PTSD. I mean, they must be suffering from that. I can't, honestly, I can't, I mean, when you, when you would, I can't even imagine the healing process that needs to take place um, after being trafficked. I mean, I've, you know, I've sat with numerous um, individuals that have had just horrific situations happen to them and, and the healing process is long and it's hard and it's difficult, but it can begin in and through those well vetted aftercare facilities, um, these kids are able to actually look for a future because you can imagine mm -hmm. hope is no longer there. After mm -hmm. you're being abused continually, that hope leaves. And imagine their thought process of what humankind is like. Mm -hmm. um, but through loving and, and kind and generous um, people that run these aftercare facilities, that light of hope is in, ignited. And then they start believing in themselves again. And then they start realizing, I can make my own future. And so that aftercare process is absolutely essential for them and for, for all of us. Um, um, it's, it's crucial, um, to get them back on the road to recovery, which as you said, is probably so difficult and, and so hard, but our aftercare director does a really good job at making those kids feel loved and valued and important and their true identity, um, mm -hmm. who they really are. That's amazing. I love it. Um, so if there were one great takeaway that you would want to leave the listener with today, what would that be? I think the biggest takeaway that I have for people is that we all have a moral responsibility um, to do something about um, fighting human trafficking because it affects everybody. Um, and, and that can look like so many different things. There's so many wonderful, great causes out there that um, I'm not pulling from any of them because we're all needed in all of those things. But we can all do something in our our own sphere of influence and in our own power and ability, whether that's just becoming educated ourselves, right? Like learning, like we have a training online that takes an hour. Just take the online training, learn about what it looks like and what you can do if you find out about it or you see it. Another thing, um, if you feel compelled to do, donate towards causes like Operation Underground Railroad that actually are in the trenches fighting for these children. 40% um, of our rescue operations are funded by people that give $5 or more a month. And wow. we call those our abolitionist club. I recently saw the movie Harriet that came out. And I just want to say like, there's a scene where you walk in, Harriet Tubman walks in and there's a circle of men and there and women and people of all ages and colors and, and um, different socioeconomic status. And they're there and they're like, this is the underground railroad. And I can't imagine at the time, they probably didn't think they were doing anything significant, but these people were saving lives. And I just hope that so many of us are sitting in that circle in our own way, right? In our own ability and, and power. So 
educating ourselves, donating if that's uh, what you feel inspired to do, raising awareness, something as simple as sharing our content online might spark somebody that may have a family or a friend or, or someone that they know that is that, that, that might be facing this. Um, sharing our content. Um, uh, another thing um, would just be not being afraid to talk about it, not being afraid mm-hmm. to have those difficult conversations, especially with those that you love. Um, talk about the risks and the dangers. It is a dark topic. Nobody wants to sit in darkness, but as you talk about it, you are empowering others and yourself. Um, you don't have to live in fear when you're talking about it. Um, a really great way that we have coming up is our, as the, um, national day of giving on giving Tuesday, December 3rd, we have an incredible item and I can't tell you what it is, but an incredible item that's coming out that, um, I'm, I'm really excited about. That's not a great way that you can support OUR by purchasing that item. It's a, only available for 24 hours and I'm so excited to see it and to receive it. And it, it's going to be something so special and it shares stories of those that are, that have, anyways, I can't say much more, but <laughs> that would be, that would it's be, gonna be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome, but that would be a really great way. Um, but digging deep inside yourself to determine what can I do? Um, because everyone can do something, everyone, uh, little kids, we have little kids do fundraisers and awareness events mm-hmm. for us all the time. Um, everybody can do something, but it comes down to you asking yourself, what is my role in this? Um, where do I stand? What can I do? Are you going to be one among the abolitionists that are, you know, fighting for the freedom of other people? Um, what can they do? Wow. This was such an incredible conversation. Um, before we, you know, round it out, how can everyone, um, find your organization, contact you, take the online training, um, tell us all the things. Yeah. So, um, our website is www.ourrescue.org. Um, on there, there's a place that says join the fight. And like I said, there's a numerous list of all sorts of ways that people can get involved, um, starting campaigns, the live training is our, um, the training right there. Online training is on that join the fight. Um, you can follow us on, um, on every type of social platform. It's at OUR, I think it's at OUR rescue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At OUR rescue. Um, you can find us on all different various forms of social media. Um, but yeah, that join the fight section is going to be a great place to start. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you are doing individually and as a whole through this organization. I literally had chills throughout the whole interview because I fully believe and and want to help in my own way. And, and the listener I know feels the same way. So thank you for sharing your light and thank you for spreading the light in the world with the work that you do. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. If you found any kind of value out of this conversation today, please share us on your Instagram stories, tag us at Motherhood Unstressed, and hit those five stars. It literally takes five seconds to do that, and you will feel so good for uh, giving back to the show if we have given anything to you. Have a great week. Love you guys.